When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Since the financial crisis... Wall Street has become much tougher for banks such as Goldman Sachs, so it decided to see what it could do on Main Street. But is convincing consumers and small businesses that it's their new best friend the right strategy? Ask Ben McClanahan. In April this year, Goldman Sachs did something truly out of character. For almost 150 years, the Wall Street Bank had prospered by getting close to people of power and influence, wealthy institutions, multinationals and rich families. Now it was trying to appeal to the hoi polloi, offering online savings accounts that can be opened with a deposit of just $1, offering interest rates about 100 times better than those of big US retail banks like Wells Fargo or Bank of America. But the launch of GS Bank, propelled by the acquisition of a $16.5 billion book of deposits from GE Capital, was not exactly glitch-free. People were baffled by an automated menu system that failed to recognise simple instructions, says Rob Berger founder of DoRoller.net, a personal finance site. Some customers reported long delays in opening an account. Others complained that they could not get onto the platform via an iPad or a Chromebook. Even now, GS Bank's call centre in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, is not open 24 hours, unlike other providers of online savings accounts, such as Capital One, American Express or Discover. One head of a cash management firm says, Because it was Goldman, everyone expected the white glove service. It was not the white glove service. Goldman's moving into Main Street for a simple reason. Life on Wall Street has become much tougher since the global financial crisis. Once powerful business lines such as fixed income sales and trading have been struggling with tighter regulation and a shift to electronic platforms. At the same time, choppy markets have discouraged clients from putting on big and complex trades that have long been Goldman's forte. Meanwhile, revenues in the bank's asset management division have been squeezed by a broad shift to passive rather than active investing. Even Goldman's investing and lending segment, which is a ragbag of businesses involving the bank placing bets with its own capital, has been hemmed in by new restrictions on proprietary trading. All that has weighed on profits. Goldman's return on equity, which is the best and simplest measure of how well it's using shareholders' money, slipped below 10% last year and is expected to come in at about 8% this year. That would make two years of annual ROEs in single digits. That's easily the worst run since Goldman went public in 1999. Goldman's returns have been better than peers such as Citigroup, Bank of America and Morgan Stanley, which have undergone more radical surgery, selling assets worth tens of billions of dollars while shutting entire business units. But some investors still wonder why Goldman, a bank that's always taken pride in the advice it provides to others, seems to be finding it hard to adapt to the post-crisis world. For the past four quarters, it has lost its crown as Wall Street's most profitable listed bank. That's a title that now belongs to J.P. Morgan Chase. Jeff Morris, head of U.S. equities at Standard Life Investments in Boston, says, You'd have thought that Goldman, the great restructurers, would have been able to re-engineer the business, but they haven't. 
If Goldman can't change their business to achieve better returns, it really speaks to how tough the regulatory environment is. Executives at Goldman bridle at the suggestion that the bank has stood still while the world has changed around it. They point out that it has kept annual revenues more or less steady at about $34 billion since 2012. And that's despite cutting risk-weighted assets by about one-fifth in that time, on estimates from CLSA, the brokerage. They also note that the bank has responded to regulatory demands post-crisis by roughly doubling its equity capital, which naturally compresses returns to shareholders. Pay, which is often a flashpoint, has come down a lot too, reflecting smaller bonuses as well as the different business mix. In the second quarter this year, Goldman's accrual for compensation and benefits came to about $95,000 per employee. That's less than half the figure of 211000 10 years ago. At Goldman's annual shareholder meeting in Jersey City in May, Lloyd Blankfein, chairman and chief executive, said that if profits have been weak, it's because of heavy exposure to hedge funds, asset managers, banks and brokerages, the kind of groups that are inclined to shut up shop in thin and brittle markets. By contrast, universal banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Citi deal with huge multinationals that need steady flows of interest rate swaps and currency hedges, whatever the weather. Once investors regain some poise, said Mr. Blankfein, Goldman would bounce back too. Higher interest rates, lower energy prices, and a stronger economy should help boost the velocity of trading. He said, There are signs on the horizon and indications that we are finally, after a very long time, coming out of that low-volume environment. But the strategy of being the last man standing in trading is a risky one, says Mike Mayo, an analyst at CLSA in New York. He points to there being no guarantee of livelier markets and also increasing capital requirements imposed by regulators. Even if the biggest banks pass the annual stress test, he notes, the Federal Reserve is not letting them return more than 100% of earnings via buybacks and dividends. Analysts say that in that context, Goldman needs new income streams to boost ROE. Within the next month or so, it plans to start putting its new GE connections to work, launching a venture offering loans online to consumers and small businesses. That unit's hired dozens of senior people from companies including Lending Club, City, Amex and Barclaycard. More retail banking products could follow, such as car loans, mortgages, or a robo-wealth management platform. In March, Goldman took a step in that direction by buying a firm called Honest Dollar, an Austin-based startup that helps freelancers and small businesses set up retirement savings programs online. That was a deal that gave the buttoned-up bank a new managing director in Texas, William Hurley, a former IBM and Apple executive, an ex-bassist and a funk band, who goes by the name of Whirly. Jeffrey Hart, an analyst at Sandler O'Neill in New York, says, In the new regulatory world, any profitable business that you can get into that fits, you have to look at. Before the financial crisis, Goldman did not even have a federally insured bank, but was forced to open one in late 2008 as a condition of receiving bailout funds. Since then, it's gone after wholesale deposits aggressively, seeking to cut its dependence on the short-term debt markets that froze during the crisis. Deposits now account for 23% of the bank's funding mix, up from 3% at the end of 2007. The bank is now much less likely to suffer the kind of liquidity crunch that saw off Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers than almost did for Goldman itself. The new mix helps profits too. Even though Goldman's paying its GS Bank depositors a near-market-leading interest rate of 1.05% a year on online savings accounts, for example, that's still much less than the cost to Goldman of issuing long-term bonds. But getting closer to retail depositors via the GE deal is more than a matter of cheap, sticky funding. It also opens Goldman up to a new class of customer, the 99%.
Until the price of entry dropped to a dollar, people used to need at least $10 million in this assets before they could consider themselves a Goldman Sachs account holder. Now, if anyone wants to put down more than $250,000, that's the standard government insurance coverage limit, they have to go elsewhere. GE has set the bar much higher, at $1 million. GS Bank's 160,000 or so depositors should be a useful support for the new lending venture, which represents a direct strike against peer-to-peer platforms that match needy borrowers with investors hungry for yield. In a research note last year, Goldman analysts said $10.9 billion of annual profits generated by traditional brick-and-mortar lenders were at risk of being lost to more nimble upstarts. Of that, the largest chunk, $4.6 billion, was from unsecured personal loans, with another $1.8 billion from small business loans. A successful launch of a lending club-like business would be a feather in the cap of Stephen Scher, a former head of the financing group at Goldman, now Chief Strategy Officer. This summer, he was given the extra title of Chief Executive at GS Bank USA. That's the entire banking arm. Suggesting that he's joined a front rank of candidates to lead the whole bank one day. Recasting Goldman Sachs as the friend of the consumer and small business will not be easy, though. For many people across the US, the brand is associated more readily with its legal and political scrapes after the financial crisis than its philanthropic programs such as 10,000 Women or 10,000 Small Businesses. Within the past year, the bank has taken hits for its connections to 1MDB, the Malaysian sovereign wealth fund at the centre of a sprawling corruption probe. This week, Edwin Chin, a former head trader, was barred from the industry by the Securities and Exchange Commission in order to pay $400,000 to settle charges that he repeatedly mischarged customers. And to other consumers, the Goldman name means almost nothing. Brenton Givens, a 44-year-old Avon representative from Hawthorne in Los Angeles, said he knew very little about the bank when it replaced GE, but he closed his account after a few months, attracted by better offers elsewhere. He now prefers an app called Digit, which sweeps money from checking to savings accounts without fees. Former Goldman staffers also wonder whether all the arrivals of the Digital Consumer Financial Services Unit, including a former head of marketing at Jockey International, the underwear company, will thrive at the bank, which has previously developed its own leaders. One former employee notes a more fundamental mismatch, the fact that making money from retail banking depends on churning simple, low-margin transactions at high volumes. That's the opposite of Goldman's core strategy over its 147 years which is focused on complicated deals for big clients. Goldman is clearly gunning for growth from GS Bank. Vacancy lists on its website show 22 positions available at the unit. That's more than in securities and investment banking combined. But the strategic pivot to traditional banking will make sense only if it leads to better returns, says Mr Mayo of CLSA. For now, he says, it's clear only that Goldman has not evolved as quickly as it should.